on uh, Radio Veritas on uh, Matins with Khanyaditabe and Colin York standing in for Father Emil Blazer. Catholics in Action on Matins with Father Emil. Father Russell. Very good morning to you. And how are you this morning? I'm good in yourself, Khanya. I'm fine, thank you. So what exactly is the situation now in terms of uh, the NEC, the NWC? Uh, we saw the postponements of uh, the SONA and of the NEC meeting. What, what's the story so far? I want to say angers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, this, uh, this uh, postponement is a real indication, of course, that um, the, the, they're not expecting, obviously, uh, President Jacob Zuma to give this uh, State of the Nation address. And... Uh, you know, they're buying time so that uh, obviously they can put somebody new in place. But it looks as if, uh, you know, Zuma's not simply just going to step down, as people as people thought maybe, and, uh, you know, and uh, give in his resignation. I mean, there's been all sorts of, uh, of uh, attempts, I think, to negotiate with him. Um, but, uh, but the man is digging his heels in and saying, you know, he's done nothing wrong. He's listened to what the court said. He has paid back the money. Um, why is it that they want to want to get rid of him? And then uh, this morning, uh, people may have heard there's been a leaked uh, um, audio of Paul Mashatile addressing people at the mining in Darbo, where he's trying to explain the complexity of uh, the the situation. Where uh, on on uh, Sunday night, when the top six met with him, he rebuffed them and said he's not going to uh, go anywhere. And then they called the NEC meeting, uh, and they were going to recall him. And then Ramaphosa met with him, and it seems as if they did some negotiation and some uh, some deal. And so they called off the NEC meeting, and it seems as if now they're in the closing moments of doing some sort of deal with Zuma. Uh, and then once that is done, uh, Zuma will resign himself. Uh, so the, the ANC is trying to avoid a vote of no confidence or an impeachment or something like that. Um, on the other hand, Khania, you know, people are saying, well... This sort of indicates maybe that Sir Ramaphosa doesn't have all the power and there's still a lot of power around uh, uh, Jacob Zuma and Ramaphosa is unable to, to simply just make decisions. Uh, you know, he's got to balance things the whole time. Maybe there's a threat of violence. Maybe, uh, you know, the ANC is afraid that if they did put it to the vote because it's so factionalized at the moment that they may not get the, the, the votes that they need. People may agree to vote against Zuma, then vote for him. So it's uh, all up in the air. But, uh, well, it seems Ramaphosa uh, speaks the language of unity. So it might be, uh, after all, that uh, he's trying to uh, do it peacefully um, w- with unity and trying to still bring those different factions together. Or what would be your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think for sure. I mean, I think Ramaphosa has spoken about unity. I think we know that uh, he is a man that recognizes and knows that getting people all on the same page to move forward together is the best way to do it. Remember, he was a chief negotiator uh, in Codessa, you know, in the, in the negotiated settlement uh, that brought about, uh, you know, the, 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 the end to apartheid and the beginning of uh, the new democratic era. He was a key person in negotiating the constitution. So, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that he is reading off that page, but I suspect that, uh, you know, if one did speak to him, there would be some frustration there because it seems as if, uh, you know, the, the president is the one who is at the moment at the at the kind of center of the disunity, uh, and uh, he has the power to tell his supporters and those who are who are 
who are maybe, uh, you know, uh, fighting on his side that, uh, you know, let, let's move forward, let's do something. But Zuma's not doing that. I mean, Zuma's remained mute and has allowed certain things to happen as well. Like, for example, that uh, march on Monday outside the Tuli House where we saw those horrible scenes of that man kicking the woman. So I think you're right. I think Ramaphosa is a man who's trying to bring about some sort of uh, vision uh, together. He's trying to uh, maybe uh, use the unity card. I mean, on the other hand, you know, I, I think we must also be very careful to think that Ramaphosa is a messiah and he's going to just solve all the problems overnight because I suspect that this is only one in many steps that he'll have to take if he's going to bring about uh, the kind of society and the kind of ANC that he's talking about. And of course, uh, in any transition, they are, uh, they are achieving problems, so to speak, for a lack of a better word. Absolutely. I mean, there will be. And, you know, we're going to see that. Because remember, if Zuma resigns, uh, you know, it's quite clear that there are other people in government that people will be expecting to go as well. So, Batubile Lamini, Mosubatu Zwani, the mining minister, um, you know, uh, maybe even the finance minister, Gigaba. So, you know, I, I, think, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right, you know. Uh, this is a process, and uh, this is not going to happen overnight, and it's going to take a while. Uh, when, re- when Zuma plans on resigning, nobody kind of knows. It might be a few days, it might be a week. I did hear a rumor yesterday that the state of the nation is kind of being uh, sort of taking place next Thursday, uh, so they think that, that things would have changed by then, but we just don't know. There's been no official announcement. Uh, the week after that's the budget. If the budget is not done, there's many departments that won't get their money, which will cause, uh, you know, government not to be able to function. So, you know, it's all it's all uh, kind of very uh, fragile in a way. But also, as you say, it's got to be a process. We've spoken about Brexit uh, in the past. Now this is Zexit. Yes, let's see what people are saying. Uh, Zexit, um, you know, uh, and like all these things, uh, you know, as you point out. Uh, there's not always necessarily such a smooth transition. There's going to have to be a number of teething problems that are going to be ironed out. And there's personalities involved that are going to have to be satisfied that they have got a good deal. Now, Father, as, as Catholics, we're now going into Lent uh, with the situation uh, in the country where we don't know what's, uh, what's happening. What, what would be your, your message uh, this time? How would we reflect this Lent on, on the situation in the country? You know, Lent is about, uh, you know, we hear the call right on Ash Wednesday. It's about repentance. It's about, uh, you know, uh, looking at your life, uh, trying to get rid of those things that uh, maybe you see as hindrances or obstacles. Uh, It's about uh, trying to grow in love of God and love of neighbor. And I think that there's many different things in South Africa at the moment that we would do well to make part of our Lenten reflections. The problem with Lent is, when I'm doing something like, and I'm not a great advocate of this, when I'm saying I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent or I'm going to not drink alcohol, yeah, that's all to the good. However, I think that those things are a bit soft, and I think that those things are individualistic. I think that, you know, if we're going to take Lent seriously in a country like ours, the issues that we should be reflecting on are the issues of our time and our contribution to them. So, for example... Uh, you know, I know the bishops are putting out a series for Lent uh, through the Justice and Peace Department on racism. It would it would be it would be well and good for all South Africans to be reflecting on this issue of racism. I mean, it is like an obstacle in our society. It's something that plagues us. It's something that causes a lot of pain. It's something that goes directly against love of God and love of neighbour. 
you know. I think another issue for us to be reflecting upon, for example, is also the question of the, the, the huge gap between the rich and the poor in this country. Uh, you know, what should we as Christians be doing? What is our responsibility? If we read in the, in the, in the second chapter of the book of Acts, we hear how the early Christian community used to pull things so that no one in the community was without the basics that they needed. I mean, what are we doing as individuals and as uh, Catholic communities to tackle these real issues of people who are living in dire poverty, of people who are sending school, uh, children to school hungry, of uh, people who can't afford to buy the basics for their children uh, and give them some sort of uh, start for the future. You know, so I think a lot of, uh, a lot of things like that are, are very important, even our own usage of material goods. I mean, we've got a Pope who keeps speaking about the evils of materialism and consumerism. I mean, do I buy stuff that I don't need? Do I live the kind of life where I'm coveting the latest or the greatest things or what my neighbor has the whole time? This is an obstacle in my relationship with God. This is an obstacle in my relationship with others. And so I think this kind of stuff has to be the content of our Lenten reflections if we're going to take Lent seriously. And if I may just end by saying, Chania, if we look at the scriptures of Lent, those scriptures convict us of these kinds of things all the time. They are not soft. The prophets in the Old Testament, Hosea, Isaiah, you know, they often speak about how you steal the food from the mouth of the poor and things like that. And that's what we're given in Lent to reflect on. So for me, those real issues should really be part not only of our reflection, but also of our practice during Lent. Forget about giving up Coke or forget about giving up chocolate. Make an effort to do something that's going to make a difference to somebody's life and help you to change your attitude. I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, this is really just uh, something also perhaps uh, uh, priests uh, or preachers uh, could reflect on uh, or homilists. Uh, Pope Francis uh, says uh, homilies must be brief. Uh, they must be uh, prepared with prayer, of course, and study of the word, a brief synthesis, and it must not go over 10 minutes. <laughs> Kanya, if you, want to get, if you want to get people talking and you want to get priests angry, you criticize the homilies. A couple of uh, years ago, a year or two ago, I wrote two or three columns about the poor standard of preaching in the Catholic Church. And although we got many emails at the Jesuit Institute saying, oh, yes, please, somebody needs to say that, there were quite a number of priests who emailed me very angry that I dared to uh, say that. And uh, you're referring to Pope Francis's general audience yesterday where he was speaking about uh, preaching and sermons, saying yes. keep them short, make, you know, uh, go to the point, uh, prepare them well. Uh, you know, don't bore people. Don't uh, don't get overly complicated. A lot of those things he wrote in 2013 in his uh, apostolic letter, Evangelii Gaudium, and he seems to be reiterating that. Um, but interesting as well, saying that he was worried about the variable quality of uh, sermons that are delivered in the Catholic Church. So yeah, so there's a Lenten reflection for preachers. You know, are you boring people to tears? Are you making people feel? so frustrated by droning on that you need to change something. Beautiful. <laughs> and uh, so, Father, uh, anything from uh, the Jesuit Institute this uh, this year or this time? Of course, Kanye, we've got the Lent book, uh, which is uh, selling quite well. We've still got a few copies left of that, Journey to the Resurrection, written by Father Nicholas King and Anne-Marie Pauline Campbell. That book is selling for 100 rand. That book is also available as an audio and that's uh, 100 rand, so the audio is a reading of the book, and there's also some music uh, to aid reflection, that's also 100 rand. 
and you can get the book uh, daily on WhatsApp for 80 rand. Uh, you'll get a WhatsApp message every morning uh, with that uh, day's reflection. So uh, we've got that book. We've got the Children's Lent book. If you're looking for something to do with children, we've got a Children's Lent book for 80 rand. And then next Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, the 14th of February, uh, the Jesuit Institute is hosting a day of recollection for Ash Wednesday, starting at 9 o'clock in the morning, finishing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon at the Institute's offices in uh, Auckland Park. Uh, booking is essential, so please get hold of us if you would like to come. We normally get about 80 to 100 people who come on that day, so please, uh, so please make sure that you book. Uh, it costs 200 rand for the day, and we ask you to bring a packed lunch because it's a day of fasting and abstinence. And the same thing is happening in Cape Town at St. Bernard's in Newlands. Uh, Father Michael Lewis is directing a day of recollection on Ash Wednesday from 9 to 4 at St. Bernard's in uh, Newlands. So that's what's on the calendar in the immediate future. Okay, sounds all good. And of course, uh, the website is jesuitinstitute.org.za. That's correct. Or a simple email address is admin, A-D-M-I-N, at jesuitinstitute.org.za. Director of the Jesuit Institute in South Africa, Father Russell Podit. Father, thank you very much. Thank you, Kanye. Have a good day.